We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. here of setting the pace it is friday afternoon we just heard from the newest members of the Indiana pacers jairus walker and ben shepherd Fachi. man uh exciting times i mean get a little time to sleep on it think about it you know any 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 different thoughts than last night yeah i, I woke up very excited about jairus walker because I, I really feel like the pacers were in love with him also this is a, a great character individual like i know we gotta win so yes the character it, it's cool but this is also a really talented individual, and I'm really excited about him. I'm war- I'm not warming up. I have warmed up to Ben Shepard because I found out in that press conference they had their eyes on Ben Shepard for a few years now. So it doesn't seem like this is a out-of-nowhere type pick. Ben Shepard had been on their radar for quite some time. Really good shooter, very capable defender. And I love hearing that he used to play point guard before growth spurt, so you know that He's talented and can play multiple positions. Yeah, I was looking up and diving into him today a little bit because, I mean, everyone's going to dive, in, dive into Jairus, but I was like, I'm going to look up Ben Shepard a little bit more because I'm less familiar with him. You know, shot 40.5% coming off screens this year, according to Synergy, 40.5% off catch-and-shoot jumpers, 49.1% on unguarded catch-and-shoot. So that's like almost 50% from three on unguarded catch and shoot shots. Now this one might not might not be three. It might be just un uh unguarded catch Still, and shoot spots. Target. But uh average 2.9 assists per game this year. Um if you watch him, he's a quick decision maker, can really thrive in the pick and roll, makes that secondary pass that you need to make, you know, sometimes like that touch pass to get the ball moving quickly. You know, defensively, yeah, he is gonna have to continue to grow in that area. I think uh, his point of attack defense needs some help. Um, but you know, he's better versus wings, not quick guards. We've heard that a lot about a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who has a very similar build to him. And I think they're both 
they're both kind of similar players in my opinion, but the best pro comp I think I saw for him was Quentin Grimes. Okay. I can, I can kind of see that, but yeah, you know, he was a first all team uh, defense and the MVC uh, my, my phone autocorrected accidentally to MAC whenever I was typing that in because what's NBC compared to Mac, obviously uh, it's, it's going to autocorrect. But, you know, one of those things where I just was looking at his game, I like it, but I will just say this. I still think the Pacers made a mistake picking him over Leonard Miller. I'm just going to say it how I feel on record. Um, I think Leonard Miller had the capability of potentially being a guy that could make a huge impact on this team. Maybe Ben Shepard can do the same thing. We'll see what he turns out to be. Not saying I don't like Ben Shepard, but I think they're going to wish five years from now that, man, I wish we would have taken Leonard Miller. Ben Shepard will always be a better shooter than Leonard Miller, but Leonard Miller has a much higher ceiling. Solidly younger. Ben Shepard's already going to be 22 years old. Leonard Miller, I believe, just freshly turned 19. He was going to be the youngest player in last year's draft. Such he's a six ten small forward, great rebounder. He was one of the better performers in the G League. I would have loved to have picked Leonard Miller. It hurt even more to see him go at pick thirty three, knowing if we had made that trade, we could have took him at twenty nine or thirty two. But you know, that's one of those things where there was a lot of good talent on the board, and we kept seeing the Pacers pass and pass and pass and. You know what? We got to hope that they see something really long-term in Ben Shepard being more than just a shooter. And when we talk about other shooters, like a Doug McDermott, for instance, fantastic shooter. Look, McDermott had an unbelievable college career. McDermott ended up being the he graded out as the worst defender in the NBA this year. Ben Shepard, at least, is a very capable defender. So I think you're going to be able to get good shooting without being a horrific defender. For that, I'm excited. No, I totally agree. And it's like one of the guys we were really excited about was Gigi Jackson. And Ooh. he fell all the way to 45. I thought he might get there to 47. And I I'm thinking, hoped. and I kept thinking to myself, man, he only was, you know, picked two spots ahead of us at, at 47. I would have much rather taken a flyer on a guy like that than Mojave King. Like, even though Mojave King was, you know, a G League guy, whatever, I just... I, I just don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to crap on the second round picks. I'm really not because I like Isaiah Wong as a player. I actually think I like Isaiah Wong more than Mojave King. I do. I do. Yeah. Between the two, I, I think that Isaiah is probably more of a tweener, though, a little bit undersized shooting guard. But man, that guy has some heart, man. Watching him play at Miami, you could just tell this guy's a winner. Put a lot of points on the board, too. Can shoot the ball from three. Mojave King, I think he struggled from three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, was really in a limited role. Struggling from three is one way to put it. Like 29%, there's, right? There's doubts if he can shoot. So Mojave King, you're getting a good defensive guy. He just shot 24.3% okay. on threes in the G League. When he played in the NBL, he shot just under 34%. Give you a little bit of hope that maybe one day he could be there. But I don't see it with that pick. I, I really felt to myself... Okay, this is someone that it's hard to envision being more than a two-way player. And I, I just that's the kind of situation where when Gigi Jackson was on the board, still at around 45, why not put a second round pick, a future second round pick in there, and 47 and get that deal done? Yeah, I mean putting Gigi on a two-way would have been awesome. I would have been going Amazing. down to no I would have went down to Noblesville all the time to watch Ooh. him play uh with the Mad Ants this season. You know what I'm saying? Like that that to me is like 
I don't know. I think sometimes we overthink things and maybe we just get excited about our guy. But, you know, Trace Jackson Davis was another name that was very uh, highly talked about. Uh, he could have been there at 55 if the Pacers wanted him. But actually, Chad Buchanan came on the radio today with Kevin and Quarry, and they asked him about Trace Jackson Davis. You know, why didn't you take him? And basically what he said back is we already have four players at that position. It was kind of a mutual agreement between our camp and his camp to not make this pick for his sake because he'd be buried on the bench, which, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It could be a bit of a cop-out, though, because this is the same team that drafted Goga Bataze when they already had Sabonis and Turner on their roster. So to me, I think, yeah, we're going to say that we like Trace Jackson Davis. We're going to say good things about him because we're an Indiana market, but we just didn't want to pick him. I'd rather than be more transparent about that than just say, yeah, we just didn't think he fit our team. Like, don't say, well, his camp didn't want us to draft him. I mean, even if it's true, like, it's just – it just sounds like a cop-out to me. Just say you didn't like him. That's fine. Goes to the Warriors. He's already been guaranteed a spot on their 15-man roster by Mike Dunleavy Jr. So, you know what? When we play the Warriors, I'm going to start laughing when Trace is uh, out there getting minutes and we're looking like, man, maybe we should have drafted Moses Moody. Love the front office. Don't love that answer that they gave. Because how many Are all these guys guaranteed to make it through this season or next? No, I don't think so in, in the front court. I don't. But when it came to pick 47, I was interested. When it came to pick 55, I'm slamming the table. I I wanted it. And he goes to Golden State. And all of a sudden, it just felt like that's a great pick by Golden State. Because you know what? They don't need him to do anything now. He could just sit there, learn. All of a sudden, it feels like, hey, he could be a small ball five for them. And maybe it takes two years. But I just feel like the chip on his shoulder is going to be ginormous when you're looking at basically one of the last picks in the draft. Why not do it? But, you know, it, it is what it is. Going back to Isaiah Wong real quick, I, I do think there is a lot to like. ACC Player of the Year made the all-ACC team three consecutive years. Good three-point shooter. Shot nearly 39% from three on about four and a half attempts. He's a playmaker. Scored about 16 points per game. Uh, this this past season, I, I think there are some stuff to like, but at, at this point, the Pacers didn't really need more guards. However, when you look at Wong, you, you look at Mojave King, you in, immediately think two-way guys probably not being asked to contribute much this season. Yeah, G League guys, you know, two-way guys, whatever you want to call it, summer league guys, you know, they're not over like they're not overly concerned about these two players. I think they're excited by them. I think they're you know, like let's bring them in, let's figure out a role for them, get them in our system and start working them out cuz I think they have potential to you know be good players, but we'll see. I mean, they they raved about Terry Taylor and then they cut him. Oh, big time. You know, then cut him like it was like not a big deal. So, I'm just going to say like I'm not going to get overly bought into what they're telling me about these second round picks. They're second round picks. We'll see what happens. Kendall Brown was a guy that they raved about two trading up for him, and now they just signed Oscar Shibway. Fachi, one of your favorite players from West Virginia before he transferred to Kentucky, you know, on a two-way contract. If they give Mojave King and Isaiah Wong two-way deals, that fills up your spots. Where's Kendall Brown? You're putting him on the active roster. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think they're probably going to look at Summer League to determine what they do. Maybe Oscar Shibway doesn't stay on that two-way contract. You never know. Um, but <clears throat> I just I just feel like there's a lot of question marks. Um not mad about Trey Jackson Davis not being here. I get it. I, I, he's a big that can't shoot, and he's kind of a tweener. So that's a big knock on him. There's a reason he fell. There's a reason a lot of teams passed on him. But when you see a team like Golden State 
pay to get back up to get him when he's falling like that just makes you think, okay, smart teams do that kind of stuff. And I feel like aside from drafting James Wiseman, they've made a lot of very smart moves in that organization. No, they really have. And it's just something about them making that selection makes you feel like Trace Jackson Davis is going to back it up. And mm-hmm. I want to speak on Oscar Sheboy real quick because I followed Oscar during his high school recruitment to West Virginia because as an alumni of West Virginia, he is the highest rated recruit West Virginia has ever had, a five-star recruit. Oscar is a man. This guy is 23 years old, so he's older. And you know how it goes. Look, upperclassmen and big man, they're not valued in the draft like they used to. This is a former national player of the year. And his offensive game is probably never going to be there. He's going to outwork you in the post. He is the most gifted rebounder I have seen in college, especially on the offensive side of things. What he's going to do is he's going to continuously contest for rebounds. He's going to grab the ball, go up with it, and continuously go up with it in the paint until he scores. You're not going to get a jump shot out of him. There's never going to be a uh, a three-pointer out of him, but this guy's going to work really hard hard and when you're talking about that last two-way spot don't rule him out because this is someone who when West Virginia recruited him he had only been playing basketball for a couple years he's developed developed national player of the year you know what he should have went pro after that comes back didn't get drafted but for the Pacers this is not your typical hey we're bringing him in a summer league let's see what happens type of guy this is someone that i do think can make one of those two-way positions and i know it sounds crazy to say like what about mojave king because he was 47th i'm not sold on him i'm not maybe i'm being way too biased on oscar but you (laughs) rolled the dice on a former national player of the year you didn't even do it in the draft you did it afterwards i think that's a fantastic pickup by the indiana pacers yeah, I was kind of hoping they'd go after a big name like that in college basketball just to, to have her summer league and maybe have for some of the G League appeal. Um, I definitely think that he could be a guy that attracts people there because Kentucky's right down the road from Indiana. And if anybody wants to watch him play, they could maybe watch him in Noblesville. It's not too far from Indianapolis, so be right there. And then I was kind of wondering if Drew Timmy might be someone they target as well. He did he sign an ex- up quick. Exhibit 10 contract, though, which doesn't really mean much. It's just a training camp contract. So I was kind of surprised by that. But I, knowing that the Pacers like playing that same style of offense that Drew Timmy was a part of, I thought he could make a lot of sense there, too, as a guy that they sign as an undrafted free agent. But overall, I, I think Isaiah Wong, to me, is the most intriguing of the names that we talked about today that are part of this Pacers team from undrafted free agency and the second round picks. Mojave King, he's very interesting. Um, I, I think there could be some potential there, but you know, it's it's a it's a guy that's gonna have to really put in some work. It's gonna be a work in progress with him. So we'll be patient with that. But overall, I, I think that we got a lot of good information today. But the most fascinating information today probably came from a radio interview with Kevin and Query. Chad Buchanan came on the show, and at the very tail end, Kevin Bowen snuck this question in. And I thank God for Kevin Bowen asking this question. Said when you see a prospect like Cam Whitmore falling like he is, how aggressive are you guys to try and get up and get him? And my goodness, Chad Buchanan said from pick 10, we were calling every team trying to get him. And, you know, they said that the asking price was just not there. Teams weren't willing to trade out. I kind of wonder what the asking price was. I would love to know what they offered. 
But at the same time, I understand why it was probably hard to get him uh, and get teams to trade back because, you know, 26 is a lot different than, you know, 16, 17. It's a big drop off there. So I personally just feel like I love that he said that they went after him. They said the same thing about Kendall Brown last year. So maybe they were pretty aggressive in going after him. The Rockets were also aggressive in going after him too, Foch. But, you know, fell, fell to Houston at 20. Makes a lot of sense. Other teams that were in that range, their rosters were pretty loaded. So I don't think having 29 and 32 would have made that big of an impact on trying to trade up. I think actually the first year acquire from OKC would have been much more attractive in trying to trade up to get Cam Whitmore. Alex, if I had a hat on when I read that, I would have tipped my cap to Chad. Oh, Buchanan not that again. Oh, yes. But look, here's the thing. I, I would have loved that move. If the Pacers had somehow walked away with Jarris Walker and, and Whitmore in the same draft, oh, my God, we would have been – the fan base would have been, you know, running wild. But here's the thing. To your point over there, when you're talking about top 20 selections – it's not going to be appealing to say, hey, how about pick 26 and a couple second rounders? Like, No, I do think it probably would have cost the Pacers either that new first round pick that they picked up or our own first round pick. So they probably didn't want to part with a first rounder and pick 26. Maybe we you know, regret that later on. But has a team ever been so aggressive and came up short more than the Indiana Pacers because they've talked about now it's like aggressive offers at the trade deadline didn't work out aggressive offers for for Cam Whitmore you know uh they went they made an aggressive offer for DeAndre Ayton the largest restricted free agent offer ever but we just have not been able to get the job done I wonder where the cutoff is for this front office to say you know what we we just can't go can't make that happen or not because at some point you gotta you gotta be able to say, hey, you know what, we're gonna take a risk here. And I think the Pacers haven't taken that risk. They've come close, they've thought about it, but they haven't pulled it off. Now, to Chad Buchanan's offense, he did say that they they were as aggressive as they wanted to be, basically. And in addition to that, he said we don't wanna we wanna make sure that we have all the assets in place that we need when there is a potential player for us to go out and get that we would be willing to use. So he kind of laid the groundwork there saying, hey, look, we were aggressive, but we weren't like, here's three picks, we're going to move up, that kind of thing. Like, you know, we talked about it uh, last year, the Knicks. They traded out of 11. They gave, they got three picks from OKC. Well, OKC had stockpiled so many picks that it didn't matter. I think if the Pacers had more picks in their back pocket for future years, then it would have made a lot of sense to go ahead and do this. So that to me is why I'm just like, okay, I wonder how aggressive they were. I think it was probably mediocre aggressive. Yeah, me too. You know, like if they really were that aggressive, they could have got it done, I think. So I think, I think so. they were an aggressive to an extent. Now, the one thing you said about Aiden, they were aggressive in getting him, but it took forever to make that uh, offer sheet happen. Time. They were really trying to work and, and do a, a sign and trade from everything that we've heard. So, you know, that made a lot of sense. But everything else in terms of like, well, we went after OG, we went after Mikael Bridges, we did all this, we offered these big packages, they weren't available. Yeah, that makes sense. But at the same time, you know, how aggressive were they? Maybe they were trying to be careful with not, you know, liquidating all their assets, kind of like Phoenix did for a guy when they're not there yet. But we'll say this, love that they didn't trade at a uh, seven. They traded back from seven to eight. Yes, me too. And one thing that Chad said on the radio as well is that, the players they were being offered, they were underwhelmed by the amount the, the amount of talent they were getting offered for seven 
they were hoping that they would get better talent than what they were getting offered for seven. So I thought that was interesting as well. And don't force that deal. Like we talked about it. Like you heard there was rumors between the Pacers and Atlanta, you know, for DeAndre uh, Hunter. I like Hunter. Do I like him for the seventh overall pick? Ah, I, I don't know. Because he's already on that second contract right now, four years, $90 million. It's still a good price for him, but it definitely speeds up this process. Jarris Walker could be very, very good for this team. And, and I just think that the Pacers did a good job not forcing a move. I know we all wanted probably a little bit of a sexier draft outside of pick seven, but I think the Pacers did smart moves, accumulated a couple assets. They didn't do anything, you know, that put them in a risky situation next year. We have two first round picks. I think that they're going to continue. They're going to make another move at some point, I think, to Mm -hmm. probably either clean up the rotation, get a few more assets. Because Let's put it this way. Say, you know, Isaiah Wong, Mojave King, say they they go on two ways and, you know, maybe Kendall Brown's the other one. So you you got your three two-way guys. You bring in two rookies in Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard. Are you really going to go into free agency with 30 to $35 million in cap space to sign one player? Right, Mm. no. You got to make more moves than that. No, they will. I mean, this is just the beginning. This is phase one of the 2023 Pacers offseason. We talked about it a little bit, but like all the trades that happened before the draft yesterday were pretty big deals. And I think you're going to see more of that as we get closer to free agency. Um, Probably within the next week, I would say you might see some more deals happen next week. I agree. It's got to be before, I think, July 1st, because that's when the new CBA kicks in. So I do think there's going to be a bunch of rumble rumblings coming up in the next week of, of stuff happening. So we're not done yet. Yeah. And, you know, July 1st is next Saturday. So we'll see if all those deals get done. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what the Pacers can do. I really am. I think that they have everything they need. They got all their picks. They got future picks that they added to their arsenal. They've got cap space. They don't have anybody on a long-term contract that makes you feel like, oh my God, we got to get off of them like the Warriors had to with Jordan Poole. So they're in a great place financially and with all their assets. Now, I will just say this, talent-wise, they still got to get better because they're not quite yes. there yet talent-wise, to really compete with the upper echelon teams of the NBA. So if you're wanting this Pacers team to be good, they got to get more talent. They've got decent talent. It's okay, but the floor is only uh, as high as it is because of Tyrese Halliburton. If he goes down to injury, this team is what we saw in January. This is a lottery bound team once again, so they're going to have to continue to add pieces around Tyrese, and hopefully you see some internal development from guys as well. But I will just say this. In terms of getting to know these guys a little bit better today in their press conference, um, hearing Rick Carlisle gush about both these players, Chad Buchanan gush about these players, Jairus Walker, you know, a guy they had targeted from high school. Like, this is someone that they were really high on. It felt like to me it was his pick to lose, basically. You know, he was going to be a pacer unless he totally bombed his interviews and he totally bombed his workout. But it seemed like that was the best one they got out of the individual workouts. I mean, you can't help but think, man, Jairus Walker is the guy they really wanted. And that at least made me a little bit more excited because I think he's got a ton of potential. And this is what the fan base wanted too, Pudge. It is. And Jairus Walker, it's very important, and I mentioned this yesterday in the episode, to give him more credit than what his numbers shown because it looks like He's a selfless player that will do whatever's needed to win. And that was defending, rebounding. Look, we know that he has 
handles. He has good handles for big men. Average about two assists. If you look at the forwards in this draft, especially at the four spot, he was one of the better, you know, playmaking big men. And I think that there's a lot more of that that we're going to see. We already talked about he loves a good floater, but just wait until he's working with the coaching staff, really using his body to get into the paint. And I think that this is someone that we've needed rebounding for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that Jarris Walker can immediately help with that. And I think the rest of his game, we can bring along slowly, but man, this guy has his head on straight. He, just from hearing from talking with him, he just sounds like a great human being. And it's just, he's talking about like, Oh, you know, how did you know the Pacers were were a great fit? He's like, oh, the vibes, you know. Coach and I, we were just driving around listening to jazz. And he's got this, this great big beaming smile on his face. It just looked like it's like, all right, this is someone that we don't have to worry about. Oh, and one other thing, talking about getting to work. Chad was like, hey, I, I already heard, like, talking to Coach Carlisle, I was like, can you open up the gym for Jarris? Because he wants to work out after this press conference. And it's like, yes. We got someone who's ready to get to work, and I love every second of it. I had a feeling you were going to really enjoy that. Um, you know what's really funny is he took his shirt off to do his workout or his to do his post workout interview, and I think Benedict Matherin did the same thing. He did so, it's got to impress the the, the the staff? Like they must just be like, ah, oh, look, look at this guy. You know, yeah, he's confident. He's got the chiseled body. You know, I think Matherin probably had more of a chiseled body than. Uh, Jairus Walker, but I mean, Walker's a, a force to be reckoned with. I wouldn't want to run into him. I think he's a brick wall. I'm curious your thoughts on him because Jersey number one, our, our young four, our young four core Fachi, double zero, Ben Matherin, zero Tyrese Halliburton, one Jairus Walker, two Andrew Nimhard. Uh, do you think Jairus Walker starts this year? At some point, I don't think he starts on night one. I don't. Okay. And you know what? Remember, I said that last year about Matherin. And I remember you were like, what? We're not going to start the sixth overall pick? And it's like, I was just like, I just don't know, man. And it, I don't think he starts on night one. I think eventually he does become a starter. But I do think they might be a little, I don't know. I don't want to say they could be a little bit more in love with Walker than they were with Matherin. But I think at the position of need, we can start Jarris Walker quicker than Benedict Matherin. But talking about the numbers situation, he's a free agent. George Hill wore number seven. Now, we drafted Jarris Walker seventh. If Jarris wants number seven, oh, he's got my blessing. Because, look, if we're going to give it to Al Jefferson, then we're going to give it to Brogdon, then we're going to give it to George Hill. Jarris Walker is worthy of number seven. Why would he want number seven? He picked number one. And it's, if he, it's, 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 it's if he ever wanted it. I'm just saying, like, Ben Shepard picked 26. He went yeah. 26th overall. I'm just saying, like, that's the kind of guy that when we go down the list of who wore number seven after Jermaine, I really wasn't cool with any of them. Like, I love George Hill. I love him. But did you have to wear seven? I don't know. Jarvis Walker, if you ever change your mind, it's yours. This is so random. You're going on a little rabbit hole here. That doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't. No, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I'm just laughing. But, no, I will say this. The only case I think that Jarvis has for starting – potentially at the beginning of the year compared to Matherin and even Nimhart is the defensive upside. Yeah. Um, they called him a defender first. They have to improve defensively. So if you're screaming, we have to improve defensively. He's kind of your guy. And I was a little bit frustrated with it last year. We didn't get to see a ton of minutes with Halliburton and Matherin together in the starting lineup. You know, they did it for a little bit before they pulled Halliburton out of the lineup. And I just, I want to see what that fit looks like with Jarris and miles a lot. I think that's kind of the long-term play here. 
So we'll see how they go about doing it. I've seen some fans suggest that Buddy Hield and Matherin could start together at the two and the three and put Nimhart on the bench. I just don't see that. I think that if you're trying to improve defensively, Buddy and Benedict together doesn't seem to make the most sense to me. They're both, you know, guys that aren't very good on ball defenders. So if you're relying on those two guys to be your wing defenders, yikes. So I think Nimhart stays in that starting lineup. I think they go out and try to get a four via trade or free agency and, you know, slowly figure it out. But I think they want to find a three that can play both three and four. Um, that way they have that lineup versatility because it, at some point you're going to have to start Jairus Walker. Like yeah. that's the main goal of drafting someone that high at eight. He won a starting power forward. You got your starting shooting guard last year in the draft. You got your starting point guard at the trade deadline. You just extended your starting center. Now you're just trying to figure out your starting small forward, in my opinion. No, I definitely agree with that. Because, look, we knew, and you look at Benedict Matherin last year, score. This guy could score. Pacers already had a bunch of scores. You know, Halliburton was, was having a good year, putting up over 20 points per game. Buddy was having one of his best seasons. Turner was having a career year. The scoring was there. The defense wasn't. And that is the elite capability that Walker's bringing to the table. So I think that is the outlier there of saying, hey, we got to get this guy in here and we can't be waiting to, you know, start him come April or so once Benedict was fully in the starting lineup. So that's definitely something that is a valid point. Um, I do think the Pacers will still go out and try to address that position. I mean, you even tweeted it out. They are super thin at the four spot. Like it, it's it's not enough. If you're deciding between Jarris Walker and Jordan Nwora, it's just not enough. Good players, but you need more depth there. I think that's where the Pacers continue to look. And it doesn't have to be bringing in someone on this mega four-year deal or anything like that. It just comes with addressing that position. But to one other thing, I just got fired up when you were talking about the team because you could just see piece by piece. They are building something here, finding franchise players. Like, some teams have one franchise player. You can make an argument that, you know, obviously Hal Burton's the franchise player. Benedict Matherin could very well be that franchise player. Jairus Walker, let's see what he could become. And they did extend Turner coming, you know, coming off of or in the midst of a career year. He's got two years left on his deal. It's just like it's all coming together while the books are clean. We own our picks. We have additional picks. This is how it's properly built. You're totally right about that. And I think it's going to be exciting to see how this team just continues to form into shape. Rick Carlisle, I think his voice is very loud in that uh, front office. I think that while he's the head coach, yes. I definitely feel like he has a lot of say in what he likes talent-wise. And, you know, good for him. He's had a lot of experience. You should trust a guy like that. Same with Larry Bird. Like, Larry Bird, yeah, he made some bad picks. Let's be honest. But the guy can tell you if he's got talent or not. I mean... He's a good, I think he's a good enough talent evaluator that you can at least respect his opinion to a certain degree. Everybody has misses. It's the NBA draft. It just seems like the Pacers wins are more catastrophic because it always happens to be like, you know, missing out on generational guys, but Hey, you know, that's just part of it. Sometimes I'm sure if we were fans of other teams, we could all reflect on, Oh, we could have had this guy that thing. So uh, it's just a little bit closer to home. So we can, you know, pick on our guy that made that pick, but I I felt a, I felt much better, you know, sleeping on it, get not being so tired, not being so disappointed that it wasn't the guy that I maybe had wanted. But you know, I like Ben Shepard, I really do. I, I think that he can be a nice fit for this team. Versatility, um, you know, I said at the beginning of this podcast, I would have rather had Leonard Miller, and I still stand by that, just because we need fours. And even if he would have not 
seen the floor a ton. I, I still think that depth would have been huge for us. But yeah, I'm not I'm not 100% sure what the thought process was in passing on a guy like that was. So to get Ben Shepard, obviously, like you said, they raved and raved and raved about him. So we'll see how that comes to play because you can't you can't rave about a guy like that and then have him as your third string shooting guard for the next couple of years. You're going to have to figure out a way to get him some playing time. So that to me is how I want to see this team address the next couple of weeks. How are we going to get these guys the playing time they need to develop? It's true, though, because I had one of my friends kind of badgering me a little bit after the pick. Like, is this guy even going to play for you guys? Like, how's he going to get on the court? And it's like, look, the Pacers are going to figure that out. They they have a log jam, you know, whether you want to call him a three, whether you want to call him a two, whatever you want to call him. He could, Ben Shepard could play multiple positions. And I do think that right now, if you look on paper, yes, it's crowded. It's not going to be like that forever. I don't think that the Pacers are going to go into next season with basically the same exact roster. I think one of Buddy or Duarte are going to be moved. And I think that at that point, it'll create an opportunity for Ben Shepard. And, you know, let's be honest, we did not see any type of role for Nemhard other than, yeah, I'll probably go in the G League and this, that. Nope, never happened. Ended up being playing major minutes on the year. So for Ben Shepard, we're not saying he's going to step into that role, but who knows what could happen. Maybe it takes a month. Maybe it takes a couple of weeks. Maybe it takes a couple of months, but he's going to be contributing for this Pacers team. The front office seems like they are just ecstatic on him. And I think at this point, we just got to watch a little bit more film on him because I know he's not coming from a major conference of any sort. The man could flat out shoot the ball and that is always needed in the NBA. Yeah, I think one of the questions that Chad Buchanan uh, said Rick Carlisle always asks him when he talks about a prospect is, can he shoot? So I think it's pretty clear that they value shooting. They did kind of hint that, uh, you know, Jarris is a shooter, and I think that's a little bit sus still. Yeah, uh, it is. Um, but, you know, I get the excitement about him. I mean, he's a good young player. Let's see what he develops into, and let's see if he can work on that shot. Like, I think he shot around 35%. Yeah. Last year, so yeah, it's it that's an average basically, number. Basically, three three point attempts a game. So it's not like he was doing one of those like a point seven, you know, threes per game. Like Sabonis had a random year where he shot like thirty five percent from three on like point eight threes. It's like that's not a good sample size. So no, but similar in a to an extent, not Trace Jackson Davis like, but like there was no need for Jarris Walker to be putting up all these threes at Houston. He ended up shooting over a hundred threes, which is a decent sample size. So I think he, in a, in another team, another, you know, conference, whatever it is, a, a team that's not the number one seed in March Madness, he could have had an expanded role and we would have probably looked at him differently. I don't think he would have went that much higher in the draft, but I think people would have been saying, wow, this is a home run pick. I think everybody feels real good about it, but this very well could be a home run pick. No, you're totally right about that. I, I think it's, I think it's interesting though. That uh, that Houston just didn't have a lot of three point shooting on their roster besides Marcus Sasser, so just probably was a different style of offense than he'll be playing here. And the NBA is going to be tough, but I don't know if you heard or not. But when he did his media availability with some of the Pacers reporters on the Zoom call, it was a YouTube clip that went out for about seven eight minutes. I think he did a conversation. They asked him what player he was excited to to go up against. Maybe it wasn't on the Pacers Zoom. Maybe it was. Kristen Peake asked him or something like that, but um, 
it was one of his post interviews and he basically just said, I really want to guard KD. And I was like, well, okay. Uh, you know, last year we got Benedict Mathern saying that LeBron's got the previous better. And then Jairus Walker just like, yeah, I just want to guard KD. And I'm like, you know what? I respect that. I mean, yeah, it's like, what are you doing putting that target on your back? But it's also like, yeah, I want to guard the best in the league. I mean, he didn't say he was better than him. He's not, he's better than me. Like Ben did, but he just said, yeah, I want to guard him. I want to guard the best player in the league and see how I fare. So like that to me, Oh, I'm okay with it, Vach. I'm okay with it. I like the confidence. It's better than him saying, like, I, I can't wait to one day get the opportunity. Or it's not like he said, like, I'm going to lock him down. You know, it was just like, but it's becoming tradition. You get drafted to the Indiana Pacers, you're going to call out one of the best players that <laughs> of your generation. So I, I like the boost of confidence, and that's kind of why the Pacers brought him in is because we've gotten eaten alive by, you know, some, some three – and fours in the past and i just feel like jaris walker is the guy that we're hoping to kind of end that trend and i'm really excited to see it it's it might not be from day one we hope it is but this is someone who has the characteristics that we have not come across the last few years yeah it definitely fits a position of need it fits a, a position of just talent i think that we needed some talent on this roster and he brings that to the table immensely um, I'm excited as what he can become. That's to me is what I, I'm walking away with. Like out of everything that we got, nothing matters unless Jairus Walker hits. Uh, exactly. Ben, and that's how I feel like Ben Shepard can be a good role player, but that's pick 26. That's what you get with those guys. You're not looking at guys that can be potential starters at 26. It does happen every once in a while. Yes. I totally understand that. I believe Pascal Siakam was picked in that range. So, you know, I, you can get guys there at that range that, can become something great. But most of the time, your big swings are up early in the draft. And I think if Jairus Walker hits, even if he's not an all-star, but he's a long-time, really good player in this league, good starter, the Pacers walk away as winners of this draft. So, um, you know, I, I think he's a perfect a perfect fit for this team, what they're trying to develop, what they're trying to build. It's going to be exciting to see him grow over the next couple of years. And if you remember, Fachi, Kristen Peake said, I don't know if Tyrese has met Jairus or not, but he is going to love him because he has just got a great personality. And we've seen that come out, that color of that personality come out just in a couple different interviews. So very charismatic guy, tons of charisma, going to love having him around this team. And I think the future is very bright if he can really develop into that power forward that we've been missing for so long. And when, when you talk about, you know, doesn't need to be an all-star, I, I agree. Look, I, I don't know if he will be. Maybe he will. I'm, I'm not going to put a ceiling on him. But I would love if he could bring to the table a guy that I, I know you love, Aaron Gordon. If he could be that type of defensive four that doesn't need to be a top-two option on this Pacers team, that's a winning recipe right yep. there. And if, if he could achieve that, then I, I think that's going to go a long way for the Pacers long-term, if they're looking to do big things, they, they got to nail this pick. I think they did. Yeah, I, I heard the Aaron Gordon comparison last night on the ESPN's Ooh. broadcast as well. So they, the her, I can forget her name that was doing the broadcast. I apologize. But she said, um, it was the girl sitting next to Malika Andrews. She basically just said, yeah, she goes, I don't mind the Aaron Gordon comp as well for him. Uh, he's been mocked or comped, I guess you could say, to Draymond Green a lot, which we talked about that last night. But overall, I'm really excited about him. I'm intrigued to see what Ben Shepard can become. If he can shoot like this and move without the ball this well and very good at, you know, just a smart, smart player, good feel for the game. If he can be someone that makes a lot of sense, then 
hey, I'm all excited about that too, but just a lot of players, not a lot of minutes. And that's how we're going to figure out how to consolidate this roster to be able to get everyone's best version of themselves. But Fachi, anything else you want to add before we sign off? No, I would just say as it relates to Ben Shepard, shooters get paid. We've seen guys like Luke Kennard, Duncan Robinson cash in on some big contracts. It very, it's very helpful to have what could be a really good shooter on a cheap contract for now, especially when the Pacers are looking to take these steps forward. Those are the type of positions and skills that you need to not be too expensive because we obviously know where this team's headed. Hey, Tyrese Halliburton head towards a max contract. A few other guys will be up for paydays, like a Benedict Matherin, uh, you know, uh, in a couple of years. And it just feels like I, l- I like this. I like where we're at right now. So let's stay the course. The Pacers didn't do anything too bold yesterday. And I know that short term, that might have been exciting. But what they're building right now feels sustainable. Absolutely, Pachi. Go ahead and let people know where they can find us out on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook, SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok, SettingThePace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find what? All of our video content. That's right. Subscribe. Let us know what you think in the comment section below. We're going to have some new videos posted shortly. But with that being said, Bachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to continue to add to this roster and free agency and love the picks they made, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.